You're listening to the Be Human podcast featuring conversations with your co-hosts, Kevin Russell and Brianna Carter, and a broad range of guests sharing their experiences of what it means to be human. Hey everyone, in this week's episode, we have a very special guest. His name is Brian Keane. Brian is one of the top personal trainers and mindset coaches in the world. He's the best-selling author of The Fitness Mindset and Rewire Mindset, both of which I've read and would highly recommend. And in this week's episode, we learn about the importance of finding fulfillment in what you do day in, day out. We hear about Brian's story of how he started working as a primary school teacher, was deeply unhappy, but eventually found happiness from ultimately hitting rock bottom and how one conversation changed his destiny and course in life. And it's a, it's a really great story. I personally learned a lot from Brian on how to level up my mindset, challenge my limiting beliefs and prioritize what really matters in my own life. And if you enjoyed learning more about how to develop a growth mindset and how low points in life typically are the catalyst for, for big and monumental change, please check out our Instagram page, be.humanpodcast and our LinkedIn page, be.humanpodcast, super easy. And if you know someone who will be inspired by this message, please share this episode with them. And a quick reminder to also subscribe to the Be.Human podcast on Apple, Spotify, whatever your preference. Now, without further ado, let's hear from Brian. Hello, fellow humans. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Uh, really, really excited for this one. I've got a, a good friend of mine, Brian Keane, uh, talking to me today. Brian is originally from Galway. I've known him for, for him for a couple of years now. Uh, we go way back. Uh, and yeah, I've always considered Brian to be an incredibly humble guy, which is hard to come by considering how unbelievably successful he's been over the past few years. Uh, he's written two best-selling books, uh, both of which I bought. I haven't got around to the second one, but I'm, if, it's, if the first one is anything to go by, rewire your mindset would be just as good as a fitness mindset. Uh, he's incredibly positive, passionate, definitely inspirational and i know when i before i met brian you know he's he's jacked he's ripped and i was probably a little bit intimidated by him but he really and truly is one of the most humble guys and uh i, I definitely get very inspired by him and his story and yeah i also know that a lot of people if you first saw brian you probably think oh yeah you know he's easy for him um but like everybody else brian has experienced struggling in life too and i'm willing to bet i don't know if this is the case we'll find out in today's episode but i'm willing to bet that that struggle is is part of what has helped him to be so successful in life uh, and got him to gotten him to where he is today. So, Brian, thanks so much for for coming on the show today. Kev, thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. That is just it's so nice to hear, mate. I feel like we're coming full circle. Do you remember shooting from my podcast? I think it was episode four. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> just just to give people a little bit of a backstory, like the podcast, we're we're like three hundred and thirty episodes in now. It's at like you know uh, over four million downloads. But our, like episode wow. four, I met Kev and we shot it in the back of some like hallway, effectively. With with an iPod or an iPad and we every time you spoke I turned the iPad towards you and then when I spoke I brought it back towards me and it's just like when oh I think back uh, and it was, it was and it came out brilliant the feedback was so good just because you know uh, similar to what you mentioned there about me Kev I had followed your stuff even way before we knew each other personally just because you were mm. crushing the kind of natural bodybuilding area back then and I was like man that guy's in great shape and then we met in person and we're like oh we get on really well it's like yeah, uh, and we've been friends since, but uh, it just reminded me when we're doing the podcast now that it came kind of full circle. Oh man, that's hilarious! I've actually remembered that, and I was like, we were in the in a shopping mall 
hallway and there was like a group of teenagers sitting next to us listening to the conversation <laughs> oh man that's funny Man, Jeez, I, I, I mean, it was so good. I, oh, I loved it. I, I, I thought of that instantly when you told me about this podcast. I was like, oh, do you remember that time when we did it? <laughs> yeah. um, and man, I'm looking forward to chatting all things here. I love what you're doing with it in terms of, you know, talking about struggle and that being the kind of effectively the seed that plants the tree of future success for people because I couldn't believe in that more. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and may, maybe we can start there, Brian, because I know, you know, people would look at you today and obviously best-selling books and four million podcast downloads tons of followers on social media and incredibly successful personal training and mindset business but you know you you didn't like you started off as a teacher in london and i just remember hearing your story about how you were just sort of just lost and didn't know what you really wanted to do with your life so maybe we can start there i'd love to understand um you know, understand a bit of the backstory there and and how that has kind of helped you get to where you are today. Yeah, like one of the long-term philosophies that I've kind of subscribed to is it's a kind of the Jungian philosophy that, you know, you if you want your branches for your tree to reach up to heaven, your roots need to go down to hell. Like it's such a morbid Mm -hmm. line, but that's what I think about when I think about my time teaching in London. And just to give a little bit of a backstory for anyone that may not be familiar with me, I worked as a primary school teacher for, for nearly four years, for three and a half years in London. And for two of those years, I worked as a personal trainer at nighttime. And I, when I was at my lowest, and London was a really low point for me, just because I felt so lost, partly because of the network of people I was around. Like I had friends, but I didn't have anyone that I, that I felt was super close. Like somebody, you know, that's going to be a life in the trenches with you. If stuff goes bad, you can turn to them and vice versa. I didn't have that network of people around me. I was in a job that made me feel really unfulfilled and not because I didn't like teaching. And a misconception that I think gets attributed to me sometimes when I talk to people is they assume that I hated teaching and that's why I left it. And that wasn't necessarily true. For me, teaching was okay. It's what I call the, yeah, it's okay syndrome that it was okay. Like if somebody asked me, you know, how's your work? I'm like, yeah, it's okay. Like it's a solid five out of 10. I don't love it, but I don't hate it. Now, just to preface, I I hated my first teaching job. Like I remember Kev, I'd spent, I did my undergraduate degree in Ireland. I got, I did a four year business degree and then did a, a one year postgraduate in London. And I had been working and telling everybody I was going to be a teacher, you know, family of teachers. It was kind of just designated from when I went into college that this was the thing I would do. And I spent all this time, energy, effort, money getting my, teaching degree and then getting my first job and I remember being 15 minutes into my first teaching job thinking this isn't what I want to do I'm like I've spent all this time energy and effort and I'm actually doing the wrong thing you know the analogy I use in both books is that you know my ladder was up against the wrong wall and one of the kind of reframes that I had to do was telling myself when I made the transition out into say the fitness industry was that I'm better to be at the bottom of the ladder against the right wall than halfway up the ladder against the wrong wall. And that's how I felt when I was teaching. I just, it just felt like I was up against the wrong wall in everything, Kev, the, the location, like as many people that were in London and I had good people around me, you know, I had a girlfriend at the time who's an amazing person. You know, we were never going to work out long term, but she's still an amazing person. And I just felt lost. Like I didn't enjoy my job. 
I, I wasn't in and didn't have friends and family members around me who I knew I was going to spend my life with or that were going to be in my life for the next 10, 20, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. London was a place, and I know you've had this from big cities as well, that you can feel lost. Even though there's millions of people, you can feel the most loneliness that you've ever felt in that, um, with that amount of people around you. And it, for me, it was one of the best experiences now on reflection because all the things I have in my life now I'm so grateful for like I do a job that I can't believe I get paid to do what I do like I love the programs I run the courses the people I work with the podcasts the books the speaking all things I would do for free like I love what I do but a lot of that comes off the back of working a job particularly in teaching that I didn't really like that much even though it was fine for low pay but I knew every Monday I was going to work and I knew every Friday I had the weekend off whereas now they just kind of merge together because I love what I'm doing and the same with the network of people that are around me my family you know my partner like the the people that I spend the most time with my loved ones that all comes off the back of not having people around me at that point in my life and having that low point and I think for anybody that's struggling right now whether it's a relationship whether it's a job whether it's you know anxiety levels or depression environmentally because of you know life choices you've made of circumstances you found yourself in or some of the challenges in life that may have chosen you like realize that better things are coming and they're eventually going to be the seeds of failure that plant the tree for future success and if you can keep your focus on that it helps you to get through it wow yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more, Brian. And, I, and I'm curious, so it sounds like teaching was sort of a career that was in the family. W w I'd love to understand, uh, you know, was there a particular moment that you that kind of just shifted the story or your attitude that you said, all right, enough is enough. You dropped everything and you went into the fitness industry. And, and also, how, how did like, how did your loved ones feel about it? You know, were they, oh, you're mad or, or what, what was their general sentiment around that? You've given me kind of a perfect tee up for that because the answer overlaps. Um, the moment that happened was a conversation with my mum. So I remember when I came home and it was, must have been 2011, 2012, 2011, the Christmas of 2011, I got my first job teaching and I hated my first job like you know I remember going into the school I had a really hard class difficult class you know with a couple of um, potentially wild kids really good kids but very difficult to manage in a classroom and you know in a, in a London school and I didn't feel like I had that much support a lot of it was down to you know I have been through the Irish system and I was teaching an English curriculum that I was unfamiliar with so there was a lot working against me in terms of just being in that environment so I hated my first job like I remember coming home like a little, like I hate admitting this but like it's true like I came home that Christmas and I remember bawling my eyes out to my mum I was like I'm fucking 22 like <laughs> 23 like I'm like I hate my job I'm like it's crap I was like I've spent all this time all this money all this energy feeling real sorry for myself like king of victim mode and I remember my mum was like okay well, what what do you want to do and I was like, what do you mean? What do I want to do? Like, I hadn't even considered that there was an alternative. Um, mm -hmm. And it came off the back of, and I hadn't told her this, was I went out that night um, or the night previous to the breakdown in the conversation. And I'd been out for a few drinks. And, you know, I shouldn't be admitting this on the air because I'll definitely get in trouble in retrospect. But I, I had been drink I'd been drinking and I drove home. And, you know, don't recommend that. Don't do it. It's absolutely stupid and no one should do it. Um, but that's where my head was at. But I remember as we spin up, Kev, towards my house, 
down where the local pub is there's like a wall on the right hand side before you come up to my road where you turn off to my mum and dad's house and I remember for that split second I remember like thinking maybe I'll just drive the car into the wall I'm like and it wasn't that I was thinking of like killing myself or anything like that I'm like but if I'm injured I'm not going to have to go back to London I'm like you know wow. and that's that's where my head was at that's where my mind was at like I was feeling so sorry for myself like you know I speak about in Rewiring Your Mindset about not being a victim but that comes off the back of having lived that and you know I, I spun the left and I went home and I remember thinking it the next morning and I'm like Jesus that was a that was a fucking scary thought I'm like what, what was going on in my head and that's when I kind of broke down on my mum I didn't tell her any of this she's probably if she hears the podcast she, she, she might potentially know now but I, I had the conversation with her and she asked me she was like well what would you prefer to do and I was like, I didn't even consider that there was an alternative. I thought I was stuck. Like, that's the problem when we're going through dif- difficult times. We tend to, and I did anyway, I can't speak for everybody else, but we tend to block out everything else and we're just in this tunnel vision mode of the problem and you can't see anything, the forest from the trees. And you're so stuck in this mode of, you know, why me? I'm so upset with what's going on. I'm unhappy. As opposed to, you know, well, what's the, what could you do instead? Like, what's an alternative? What could you potentially do today that will help your situation in a positive way? And she asked me a question that I have put to so many people since. And that was, she asked, what would you do for free? And I wow. thought I thought about it. Yeah, yeah. She goes, what would you do for free? And I sat there and I thought, and I was like, I would work in a gym. I was like, I love fitness. I was like, I love that side of things. And she's like, oh, maybe you should go do that. <laughs> like, and <laughs> like it, 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 the king of, of, of obvious when I look at it in reflection. But again, it's why I'm so grateful for my network. Like, you know, I always give, and I think my mum deserves all the praise for any podcast or book or anything I've ever done that's helped or supported people. I'm like, that all came off the back of that conversation. Like the moments in your life that can potentially change everything. And that's one of those moments, the Christmas of 2011, because that's where my head was at. You saw the uh, the low point where I was at the previous night and where my head was to this completely wide-eyed, oh my God, this is something I could potentially do. And I remember she signed me up to my first fitness instructor course like I was I was I was on a big full on wine Kev like I was like I'm not coming back to London I hate London like baby with the bathwater. like I was like London's <laughs> yeah. crap it's a crap city I don't like anything Um, and and she signed me up to a fitness instructor course and I remember that January I went back and that was the only thing that I went back for I'm like well I'll go over I'm like I'm not teaching I handed in my notice and I said I'm going to go over I'll spend two weeks in London and I'll do the fitness instructor course and then I'm moving home I'm done and I went into my first day of a fitness instructor course it was just a bread and butter level two fitness instructor course and i remember thinking oh my god this is where i'm supposed to be i'm like this is amazing i was like i I was like i could potentially work in a gym i was like i was like i might get paid to just help people with fitness and it kind of from that point just unraveled in a positive way over the next couple of years, you know, I went straight on to get my personal training cert from that. I then went on to get my SNC badges and nutrition and everything along those lines. And for two years, I actually went back teaching, but that was to kind of pay the bills. And then I started taking clients sure. in the evening. And 
eventually it took me another two years to kind of make the jump or the, another three years to make the jump full time to moving back to Galway in 2014 to set up a one-to-one personal training business and then where it's kind of progressed ever since to to online now and the books and the programs etc um, but that all came off the back of that conversation that low point and where my head was at and how one conversation one moment like that's where if I'm ever going through low points now or anything because like you know life isn't all dandy for everybody like Everybody has highs and lows. The only difference generally from my experience is how we react to it. You know, 90% of life is what, you know, or 10% of life is what happens to you. 90% is how you react to it. And you get different reactions as you move along your journey and you get better at handling those, quote unquote, what can potentially be seen as bad times or low moments. But because of that and realizing that you can have one conversation and everything can change. Like one conversation with a person, you know, one moment, like the person that you're supposed to spend the rest of your life with is potentially a moment away. Like a conversation that propels you to do the thing that makes you feel most inspired and most fulfilled is a sentence away. And I always keep that in mind because that could happen at any moment. That could happen today. That could happen in the next hour. That could happen in this conversation when you're listening to a conversation between two friends. Like it comes in lots of different shapes and forms. And I think the only difference is having the awareness and putting yourself in the position where you could potentially hear it if it comes can get you out of a lot of those low points and potentially propel you forward in a more positive direction. Wow. Brian, that, that blew me away. Honestly, you, you, uh, first of all, we're very, we're both mommy's boys, obviously. But uh, I mean, that line from your mom is something I've probably heard in a ton of different podcasts, read in different books is, you know, when you want to understand or realize what you truly want to do in life ask yourself what you do for free so it's incredible that it came from your, from your mom but I, I'm, I'm curious brian were there do, so and and i and i couldn't agree more i it kind of blows my mind how looking back to how i was let's say five six years ago e- even like two years ago who i was then to who i am now it's it's just night and day and it sounds like it was a similar situation to yourself i'm curious were there any particular I suppose not necessarily habits, but um, I suppose mindsets that you you had in place back then when you were in London and you were the victim. Versus, how did you kind of slowly get out of that? Did you start adopting new habits, or is it just sort of a flick or, or a switch was flicked and and you turned into this positive person? I'd love to understand the contrast between when you're at your low point to how you slowly kind of got out of that and got into a more more positive mindset. Oh, it was definitely a gradual thing for me. Um, I would be someone that would naturally have struggled for things like just confidence in my everyday life. like, And not in the sense that I wouldn't bury my head and not talk to people, but definitely in the sense that when I thought of things like bodybuilding, you know, something that you've completely mastered in terms of national natural champion when you were competing but for me that was one of the first things that helped me shift was going into the world of competing and bodybuilding and fitness modeling because i i always had this inner dialogue and the story that you know this is something that other people do a marathon and running a marathon was another one of those like they're things that i always would I've thought to myself, wow, I'd love to step on stage in a bodybuilding show or I'd love to run a marathon or I'd love to have my own business. But they were things that I said, well, that's what other people do. And that's how the lack of confidence would show up for me. I just never backed myself. And over the space of a few years, 
It was setting challenges that made me feel uncomfortable and that made me afraid to a degree. You know, I'm a longtime subscriber that, you know, you should feel the fear and do it anyways. Like fear never goes away when you set new goals and new challenges for yourself. You just get better at handling it and managing it. And over the years, I did my first show in 2014, the first fitness modeling show, bodybuilding show. And I got a massive wave of confidence from that. And one of the things I'll repeatedly tell people is like you build confidence by just repeatedly keeping promises to yourself. Like that's it. Like confidence is by if you say you're going to do something and you do it and you do that consistently over time, you build more self-confidence within yourself and merging that with the philosophy of something that one of my mentors once told me that, you know, successful people do the thing they have to do, whether they feel like it or not, and not relying on motiva- motivation and not relying on how I felt to determine what I did were probably the two biggest mindset shifts on top of, you know, rewiring things like failure. Like I had a huge misconception, Kev, that failure for me and everyone's dialogue and internal dialogue and self-talk is different. But for me, my internal dialogue around failure was failure was an end product and that it was a bad thing. And now I realize much better that that's not true. Failure is feedback. Failure is feedback on what isn't working. You know, every failed relationship is feedback on what you need to change with your lens or your the, the filtering process for people going forward or what you need to look at internally so you don't make the same mistakes again. Every failed diet, you know, every time you try to lose weight or lose body fat and you couldn't do it. It's feedback on what didn't work in the past and you now have new information that you can plug in to potentially help you get to the place where you want to go to faster or more efficiently next time. And once I was able to shift that and I was able to change the way that I saw fear and realize that it was something that I had to feel and do anyways, alongside realizing that failure wasn't a bad thing, that it was feedback and that successful people do the things they have to do whether they feel like it or not. And when I was able to merge all those things together over the space of several years, and it's it's a journey, Kev, like I'm by no means the end product you're constantly you know criticizing or trying to in my case now not criticize every belief that i have but you're you're challenging yourself you're challenging the things and the stories that don't help you anymore you're challenging the beliefs that were probably instilled through you know loved ones or parents or childhood or experiences or whatever bias you have so you're constantly trying to upgrade and challenge these things so by by again I'm definitely not sitting here speaking that I have it all in mind and all sorted because I definitely don't and that's so untrue but from 2014 onwards I started to gradually question that and gradually realize that my mindset was the thing that was holding me back and once I was able to get out of my own way all these you know quote-unquote external successes that you see which ironically it are all amazing things and I'm you know I'm proud of some of the things that I've done the the races and you know the books and the social media and the podcast like, I, like I'm proud of those things because I love them and I love what I'm doing and I love the process of doing them but they're also they're not the thing that I truly value. Like I value the opinion of my family. I value time spent with my loved ones. I value how I come across as a person to the people that I'm supposed to show up my best self with. Like they're the things that I value. So as long as they're not being questioned or I'm not putting them at risk of, you know, potentially not being the best dad, I could be your best partner or best brother or best son or whatever it is. As long as those things aren't being affected, you know, my core belief and my core value for me doesn't really get hurt if 
someone unfollows me on social media or somebody says that I don't look a certain way or somebody's like, you know, your book is shit or somebody's like, you know, hate your podcast, hate your voice. I'm like, that's fine. You know, not, you're not going to like, not everybody's <laughs> going to like you, you know, yeah. like that, that's the nature of the beast. I'm like, the advice I would offer to anybody is realize that not everyone's going to like you and that's fine. Like if you want everybody to like you, you know, go buy an ice cream truck and go give out free ice cream. Like, like that, that's how you get everyone to like you. <laughs> you still probably find somebody... I'm, I'm lactose intolerant. How dare you? Oh, fucking 100%. Yeah. <laughs> which, 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 which tells you everything you need to know about people, that they're going to have an opinion on what you do, whether it's good or bad, so you may as well do the thing you want to do yourself. Absolutely. Brian, wow. I mean, I, honestly, I, I, I'm going to listen to this podcast again and take notes because it, it's inspiring me. It is. It is really inspiring me. It's incredible. Um, and I'm, I'm curious. So kind of two-pronged question. First of all, so when you were... When you were so so, you're you're obviously in a, a position now where you're just incredibly successful, and it's obviously taken years to get to this point where you can identify when the ego, when the voice in your head crops up that limiting belief, and you can be aware of it, and then you know hopefully prevent it or mitigate it in some way. For somebody who's, let's say, at that low point where you were at all those years ago, you know what 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 is what is the small incremental changes that they can start implementing now to get to get to them get them to a point where you are today let's say you know what are those kind of those, those small changes that they can start making today ironically although i will offer a very practical advice for you know the, the mindset shift that small inconceivable changes lead to big results i wouldn't try and follow my journey i think it's a case of there's only one brian Keane. there's only one kevin russell there's only one of you out there and, you know, I love the quote, I don't know if it's Winston Churchill or Oscar Wilde, you know, be yourself because everybody else is taken. It's a cliche. But mm -hmm. when it comes to your journey, a mistake I made that I probably would have shifted faster if I'd realized that I shouldn't be following other people's direction and their journey, although I can take inspiration from what they do. And I think that's really helpful. I, I think your path is your path. Your journey is your journey. And giving yourself permission to change your mind as you get new information is helpful. And the reason I say that, and it's probably where you've kind of caught me in my life right now, Kev, is because for the last few years, you know, I've gone very heavy into the world of, say, ultra-endurance events. You know, I did Marathon de Saab in 2018, which is six back-to-back -back marathons through the Sahara Desert, self-sufficient. In 2019, I ran through the Arctic. Jesus. Yeah. The, wow. the, 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 there's these shifts and, you know, I ran through the Arctic in, in 2019, did my first 100-mile ultramarathon in February last year. And I'm starting to shift out of those things now because what... I was getting from those events and what I was getting from those challenges, I'm not getting anymore because my life priorities mm -hmm. have changed. And although it's really useful to understand that any goal you set for yourself, and I'm a big fan of, you know, setting big goals, you know, BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goals, like setting big goals for yourself and then reverse engineering them down and breaking them into smaller component parts. You know, if you have a hundred pounds to lose, you focus on how do I lose the first pound? Then how do I lose two pounds? And, you know, the story I use that symbolizes this is the, when I was training for Marathon to Saab, the six marathons in the Sahara, that when I signed up for that event, 
in it was August 2017 for April 2018 for the race I did my first two kilometer run at the end of my workout and I nearly got sick like I hadn't run like running's not my background like I played GA, mm-hmm. I played soccer um, then I went into bodybuilding and fitness modeling I was as far from a marathon runner as you could expect and I nearly got sick after my first two my first two kilometers and I remember sitting in the dressing room there was a local gym at the time the warehouse gym and I was thinking how the fuck am I going to run 248 kilometers more I was like I'm after getting sick after two but I set the goal of right well next week I need to try and run 3k and then the week after I went to 4k and then I set myself the goal pyramid of prioritization of well there's no point worrying about running six marathons if I can't run one so I set the goal of trying to run a single marathon and then broke it down from there and I think every goal and that's not a call to action to run through the Sahara or you know anywhere really it's it's what's the goal and then breaking it down into smaller component parts and then following your journey based on you know what's your inner voice saying like what do you want to do and you have to experiment and fail forward like I think once you rewire your relationship with failure and realize that that's not a bad thing that it's just feedback it makes it so much easier to make decisions and you can at least try things out and experiment with things, you know, try different jobs, try, uh, you know, it, it, try different um, dates with different people. If you're, that's the area of your life that's a high priority, try different training programs, try different diets to find what's going to be a good fit. And once you disconnect from either the opinions of others or your own internal issue with your cognitive bias around failure and that you think it's a bad thing and you're able to disconnect from that or rewire the way you see that it makes it easier to make these decisions going forward and then you can start to find what's going to be a good fit for you and don't try and live somebody else's life like I don't think it's useful or helpful to try and live somebody else's life one because you're not them but I also don't think it's helpful to try to live life based on what others expect of you because that's something that I did for probably the first 25 years of my life and it led me to London like it led me to nearly driving my car into a wall like it's not a good way to think from my experience and I think once you get clearer and you decide what makes you happy the people you want to be around the job you want to do the things you want to do that make you feel fulfilled and happy and uplifted I'm like try and spend more time doing that you know it's very this is going to sound so simple Kev and I'm a, it's a real captain obvious thing but I put it in the rewire your mindset book you know make a list of the things that make you happy and do more of those things and make a list of the things that make you unhappy and do less of those things and I think if you consistently do that over time you're going to have a much more fulfilled life in the long run absolutely I, I love it Brian I really do um, got it it's so, so many questions to ask but I'm curious when so when you think of fear let's say you have this something something comes into your like okay I have to do a, I have to do a speech in front of 100,000 people I, I don't know I, you don't strike me as somebody who's afraid of public speaking but let's just say that's the example I have to go and do a talk whether it's 100 1,000 100,000 when you feel that fear, what what is your what is your process there? Do you just do you identify? I'm afraid of this, so it means that I have to have to double down and jump into it. Or how do you how do you approach fear when it comes into your life? That's a great question. There's a few ways to unpack that, um, and just, probably just to give a little bit of a background, I have spoken in front of a hundred thousand people. In terms of, I did a, I, I did a, a keynote at um, Google headquarters, so that's probably the most I've ever spoken in front of people. But I've also had a fear of public speaking, um, so I can kind of attest to both of those things. And like everything, 
you know, public speaking is a good example. Like I love the the old cliche or the old analogy that people are like, you know, the number one death in the world is public speaking. Number second death is fear of death. I'm like, public speaking's higher, you know. And I, there's a lot of people in that bracket, and I was there too. And to be honest, there's a few ways that I handle it and came through it. And exposure to the thing you're afraid of generally makes you significantly less afraid of that and the example that i give people is you know think about the first time you ever kissed a boy or a girl i'm like that was the biggest deal ever like you were terrified probably like i remember i remember my first kiss and i was like you know i remember thinking like how how can i tell all my friends i did without having to do it like you know i, I was so i was i was terrified like i was like 11 i was like i was like does she want to do this like you know what's gonna i was like what how does this even work i was like do, do, do i is it lips do i use tongue what, what do i do and you know you're just and now it's something that's just second nature um and like that's what i think about like it's a case of anchoring times in the past when you felt afraid and you pushed past it and did it anyway and you use that as a reference point going forward for the thing that you're afraid of currently and i think that's a good point for most people because most people listening to this podcast will probably hopefully have kissed a boy or a girl at some stage and were probably terrified. I think driving a car is another one, you know, that some people will get terrified to drive a car the first time, terrified flying a plane, whatever it is. But you did that and you were fine. And you remember that when something comes into your line or into your environment now that you're afraid of, you know, obviously outside of the things that potentially kill you, you know, like jumping off a building, getting stung, b- b- bitten by a snake. Like, don't do things that are going to critically have an effect or negatively have an impact in terms of you potentially could die. But things that are like what I call perceived fear, like public speaking is a perceived se- fear. Like the worst case scenario is that you forget what you're going to talk about and everybody laughs you off the stage. I'm like, probably an unpleasant thing, but you're not going to die. Like, you know, it, it, it'll suck and you'll hate it at the time. But you'll get over it. You know, it's the same as, you know, it's fear setting when you want to talk to a boy or a girl at a bar or a man or a woman that you're attracted to. Like the worst case scenario is they ignore you or they laugh in your face. I'm like, yeah, it's a bit embarrassing at the time. But the upside, you know, you weigh up the upside, you weigh up the downside and ask yourself, can you handle the downside? Like, that's how I make a lot of these decisions when it comes to something I'm afraid of. Like, I'll ask, well, what's the upside of this? You know, in the case of, you know, someone in a bar, the upside is, you know, you either go home with them that night or you meet the potential love of your life. You know, both good scenarios potentially based on where your life is at. You know, the downside is they ignore you or they throw a drink in your face or they slap you and they run away and you're really embarrassed for 10 minutes and then you get over it. And then you... You look at those two things and go, well, there's an asymmetry on the upside to the downside here. I'm going to go after it and just feel the fear and do it anyways. So I think that's a good lens in which to see things that you're afraid of. Like, because sometimes the downside massively upweighs the upside and then I don't do it. Like, for example, I remember, Kev, when I ran my first 100-mile ultramarathon, that was in February last year, 2020, right before the world shut down on COVID. And I remember prior to that, I had been in the world of kind of ultra endurance and I was like, I might do a 200 miler. I'm like, 100 miler would be cool. I might do a 200 miler. And when I did the 100 miler, I was like, okay, that was cool. You know, box checked. But I was like, I don't feel any different. I was like, but that took a lot of time and commitment and training and early mornings and, you know, opportunity cost to time I could have been spending with people that I loved or, you know, doing more things with serving people in terms of book writing or creating programs or courses that came at the expense of training 
I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to double this for a 200 miler. I was like, the downside is, is way too, way too high for the potential upside of, you know, you get to say you did a 200 miler, my ego speaking. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. So you're getting clearer on that and just putting, that's an example of what I did, filtering it through that lens for decision making. And then sometimes the upside is, is a great thing. And sometimes the downside is, you know, it's not worth it. And at least you've got that lens you could look at it with. And when you do that, it makes it easier to attack those fears once you've separated them from real fears, things that could potentially hurt you or kill you to perceived fears, which, you know, for the most part are actually just things that are attacking your ego. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think this is, I mean, this is, although Brian is obviously completing, I mean, just the most insane task ever. I'm running my first marathon this year, Brian. So uh, amazing. Which one, which one are you doing, Kev? Which one? I'm doing one in San Diego. Uh, rock, rock. It's called rock and roll. Oh, I know it. Yeah. One I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it literally was just like, because I, my big thing recently is, if I decide I want to do something, I need to do it quick. I need to act on it fast. So this was like literally the first one I saw, and I said, all right, I'm signing up. It was originally supposed to be in July. It's now in October. Thank God for that, because I actually hurt my knee. <laughs> so I'm trying to recover, recover from that, so I have a bit more time. But I think for people listening who you know, hear Brian and, and think, oh man, these goals are just like, these. that's great for Brian. These goals are insane. But for me, I'm, I'm afraid to like leave my house. I'm afraid to, to talk to somebody. And, and I was there, like I, I was there. I was consumed with anxiety and depression to the point where speaking to people, leaving the house, th- these are all difficult tasks for me. So I think the key thing is br- breaking it down to what's relevant to you. Like if you're struggling to get out of bed in the morning, set yourself a goal or objective of getting out at 9 a.m. rather than 12 or 1 p.m. If you're consumed by social anxiety and and you struggle to speak with people, make it your mission to go up and talk to somebody, somebody you know, somebody even just an acquaintance. acquaintance. Uh, Or if you're afraid of public speaking, ask a question in uh, during a meeting at work, whatever it might be. But it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, this huge goal like, oh, I'm afraid of public speaking, so I want to speak at Google headquarters and be work like Brian. Like, sure, that can be your big, hairy, audacious goal that you set for 10 years down the line, but break it down into the tiniest chunks that's applicable to your life. And, you know, the, the reality is once you start achieving those smaller tasks, you do get that, that hit of dopamine, you feel accomplished, you feel happy, you feel fulfilled, and then you can start progressively making that task easier and easier and move to more difficult tasks and, and challenges. Um, but Brian, I, I'm curious, 100 mile race, like, I mean, like, it's it's just crazy to me. I mean, it's it's incredible. And, you know, who knows, maybe I'll do this marathon and I'll think, yeah, you know what, I, I want to try and do that someday. But not for now, but what, what, like, what goes on in your head when you're going through that race? Like, I mean, I... I run 10, 10 kilometers and I'm like, you know, I'm constantly in a, in a battle with the voice in my head telling me to stop. And I'm like, no, keep going. Like what, what's going on in your head and how do you just keep pushing? 
to get to that those those 100 miles i'd love to understand that yeah and before i unpack that i just want to add on your point you made a great point there kev that it's so relative and one of the things that i never want to come across and i think it definitely does on some of my content is you know that that disconnection that you know brian runs 100 miles or he does x y or z that's so far from where i'm at you know i can't get out of my house and a, a way that i try and bring that back is probably that i've been there and i've no i know how that feels that social anxiety that not wanting to get out of bed in the morning like that's a horrible like that being completely honest kevin you know as someone that's been through this that's harder than running 100 miles like when you're in that that when you're in that fit of depression and you're in that constant anxiety and that state of just what feels like a constant fight or flight mostly flight you're that's way harder like it's so much harder to deal with that and i think anybody that gets from that point to getting their life back on track should be commended way more than someone that runs 100 miles in my mind like i think it's just so much harder but it's relative and the irony of it is is they're not completely dissimilar in terms of the approach like when it comes to a 100 mile race like all you're doing is putting one foot in front of the other consistently you're doing it for a long time compared to say a marathon or a 10k but it's the same process a 5k a 10k a marathon a 100 miler it's the same thing. You're putting one foot in front of the other and you're doing it consistently over time. And I think when you're in bed with depression, it's the same. It's like, how do you put one foot in front of the other metaphorically? Like, how do you, you know, get up at 9 a.m. instead of, you know, sleeping until one? You know, maybe you go back to half 12 and then you go to 12 and then 11, you know, and you keep scaling back until you're up at a normal time. Like, you're breaking it down into a small part and asking, well, how can I potentially move forward? And what can I do today that's going to have a positive impact on my life and running 100 miles is nearly the same you're just focusing on that step you know the six inches in front of your face and you're moving like and you're just putting that foot in front of the other like marathon to sob was the same the arctic was the same the 100 miler was the same it's it's just doing that and understanding that it gets considerably easier over time and what goes through my head like that voice in your head i think what potentially helps me and this definitely helps me with my online presence when it comes to things like social media when it comes to podcasts and instagram and all these areas when people say throw negativity my way or hate my way you know it's significantly less and it's 0.1 percent of of all the content and feedback that comes my way but one of the ways i can deal with that is i'm like there's nothing you can say to me that i haven't said to myself like anyone that's had mental health issues like their own in- biggest enemies living between their two ears like when you want to drive your car into a wall like someone calling you a twat on social media doesn't hit you the same way like it just doesn't i'm like yeah it hurts and it's shit and i don't like that but i'm like nothing you can say is worse than the voice that's in my head and you can calm that voice and you can tame that voice by consistently getting on top of the way you speak to yourself and one of the things that the endurance events has taught me is it's forced me to kind of come head to head with that voice in my head that one that's telling me to quit that's the same voice that was telling you to run your car into a wall like it's the same fucking voice it's just coming up in a different form like it's obviously less morbid and it's less intense but it's the same voice like it's a familiar friend like you know or a familiar familiar acquaintance because you you know it but you get better at managing it like when you 
are going through a challenge you've set for yourself. You know, for someone that's getting out of bed at nine o'clock in the morning, for someone else it's joining the 5 a.m. club so they can get more out of their day. For someone else it's running a 5K. For someone else it's running a marathon like you, Kev, or running a 100 miler. It's the same thing. You're trying to master that voice in your head that's telling you you shouldn't or trying to master that voice in your head that's telling you you can't. And it's on your shoulder. Like I always picture, that voice is on my head in every run that I do telling me to stop because I still don't really enjoy running a bit more this year as I've got a bit better with it but I, I'm not a good runner like you like I'm built like you Kev <laughs> like you know like we're, we're not nat- naturally built to run you know with a bodybuilding background sport background and you know, a rugby football etc like we're not really built to run that distance for the most part so that voice in your head because you don't find it easy makes it louder but also when you get it under control, it gives you more benefit because if you keep doing things that are easy, you know, it's the old adage that, you know, if you do what's easy, your life will be hard. And if you do what's hard, your life will be easy. And it's very much a case of getting that voice under control. And you do that by training it. It's the same as going in the gym and lifting weights. You condition and control and and train your mind. If you picture, like I always picture on my runs, you know, a devil on my shoulder, an angel on my shoulder, name them if you want like one is telling you to stop one's telling you you can't and the other's like you fucking keep going like and you just you choose which one you listen to and you just consistently try to get better at listening to the other one and on the days that you know that the, the devil wins out or on the days that the voice in your head wins you go fuck it right that's one for you you're not gonna beat me tomorrow and you get back on it again you reset and you go again and that's the case, whether that's getting out of bed in the morning, whether that's dealing with your anxiety, dealing with your potential environmental depression from, you know, either making bad life choices or some challenges in life that have chosen you for the minute. Like, whatever that is, if it beats you down, you get back up again. Like, that's it. That, that That's it. And you, you do that consistently over time. Like, it's, it's the one step back, two steps forward. Like, that happens. Welcome to life. Like, life gets hard. It's not fucking easy. It never was, never will be, and won't be in the future. But you can get better at handling it. And I think as you consistently challenge yourself with setting those goals, building the confidence by keeping promises to yourself and consistently moving forward and realize that every time you get set back, you get back up again and you go, you reset and you go again, you get better with it. Whether that's running 100 miles or running a marathon or dealing with your own mental health, it's the same thing. And just figuratively or physically putting one foot in front of the other and keep moving forward. Brian, this is uh, this is really yeah, everything you're talking about is resonating with me. And, and what's funny is I've actually so I've given my ego or that devil um, a name as well. So I've given it a name, a character. I don't know if you've ever seen the show Cobra Kai. <laughs> I think it's a pretty you can't it's a pretty kid, character. yeah, yeah. But it, it, it's basically a carry on from the Karate Kid, and there's this bad guy in it. Who's, who's just kind of hilarious. It's just like, you know, comical. You know, he's just a standard, like, 80s or 90s bad guy, and you can't help but laugh at him. Um, but basically, I named my ego or the, the voice in my head that chimes in when, when it's when it's negative, uh, Crease, John Crease. <laughs> and uh, I, I imagine him when, when, when I start feeling maybe anxious or doubt or limiting beliefs, I imagine him in my head coming in, you know, walking into the room kind of thing. And I just say, hey, come on, John, take a seat, sit down. Do you want, want a cup of tea, coffee? You know, what do you want? <laughs> Welcoming that in. Because I know when fear is coming in and anxiety is coming in, it's a sign that I need to take action. I need to do something. And not to fight it. Like, everybody tries to fight these feelings of anxiety, 
depression, fear, doubt, they're not going to go away. They will always, always be there. It's about your approach them. It's about saying, okay, you're here. That's great. It's a sign I need to change. And then taking action. Um, I definitely, you know, don't be afraid of it. Don't fight it. Use that as a sign to improve yourself and, and to take action. But this is, I mean, Brian, I, 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 I get, I'm getting hairs in the back of my neck listening to you. I, it, this is, uh, for me, incredibly inspirational. And I know we're, we're kind of coming up on time, but I, I, just a couple of short questions for you. Um, and I suppose one of which is, you know, were there any kind of, or are there any particular resources like books, uh, podcasts, people out there that you drew a lot of value from and you'd recommend people listening to, to check out and, and have a look at? Outside of yourself, of course. Uh, yeah, well, it, it's it's funny you say that because I'm also a big believer that, you know, my content is really good for some people and a terrible fit for others. Um, Like, I, I'm, I'm also... I've long kind of disconnected from that ego side that, you know, I don't think everyone should follow me on my podcast or my platforms. I'm like, I will serve some people in a really good way and won't help other people. But with that, equivalently, there'll be somebody else out there who can potentially serve you the best way you need. And I think seeking out those people, you know, physically or virtually or their books or their podcasts is a very beneficial approach to take, regardless of who that is, whether that's me, whether that's you, Kev, whether that's somebody else. For me... I've drawn it from lots of different places. Like I'm a big reader, like a, a big, big reader in terms of audiobooks and physical books. And you're drawing information and drawing things that can help you from different areas. But to be honest, in recent years, with the exception of some foundational principles, like we've touched on in this podcast, like rewiring failure and, you know, other things I haven't touched on about, you know, comparison syndrome and not comparing yourself to others and comparing yourself against where you were and asking if you're improving. Like with the exception of these, in my mind, what are kind of basic mindset principles for how to have a, a, an effective life or successful in whatever success looks like for you. I think that's a very loaded term as well. Like success is so independent and, and, and subjective to the person. Like if you ask me, Kev, in 2014, what success was, I'm like, yeah, pro fitness model, like bodybuilding champion. Like that's what success meant for me. And it's so far from my mind now, like, you know, t 2016, 2017, I would have given you the number I was looking to hit with my revenue. Like, you know, in 2021, it's about, well, you know, how's my relationship with my daughter? You know, how am I showing up with my partner? You know, am I getting to spend time with my mom and my sister and my family? Like, you know, my loved ones, like all of these things, people closest to me you know am I building on those relationships that I'm trying to improve you know my dad and you know people who were in my life from earlier on like trying that's what success looks like for me and I think getting clear on the front end what that looks like for you is the most important thing because once you do that the podcasts the books the people to follow all of that will become clearer but none of that is going to help until you get clear on what success looks like for you and what I would probably call to action for people here instead of you know checking out a book or checking out my books or listening to podcasts my podcasts or others is get clear on what success looks like for you what's important for you like your, is it is it physique based is it financial based is it relationship based is it fulfillment level based running marathons you know body compositional goals whatever it is get clear on what success looks like for you and then everything else will become clear and you'll start to see it it's the you know the old adage that I think it's a quote from Buddha that you know when the student is ready the teacher will appear and I think that's very 
applicable here that once you get clear on what success looks like for you you'll start to see those teachers everywhere absolutely love it brian and and look last question we ask every every guest and and i i haven't prepped you for this so uh we'll see see where it takes us but um for you brian you know what does it mean to be human Ooh, that's a great question. <laughs> take your time. Take your time. I know you're putting you on the spot here. For me, it's a it, it's conflicting because I'm conflicted between what it means to be human in this kind of juxtaposition of being fulfilled, being happy, leaving a mark on the world and leaving it in a better state than you found it, mixed that the fact that we're all evolved monkeys on a spinning rock floating through space like it, it, th- that contrast is the thing that normally keeps me very grounded for two reasons one because when i think about the mark i want to leave the books i write the podcasts i do the conversations i have the impact i have with my loved ones and my daughter and people who will be here long after me that keeps me motivated to do the things I do day to day. But if I lived in that for too long, it's all ego. Whereas when I pull myself out of it and realize that we're just evolved monkeys on a spinning rock floating through space, it makes me realize that it actually doesn't matter. And all the shit that I'm worried about and all the anxieties and fears and worries and things that I spent so much of my 20s just fixated on, it just means nothing because you realize that there's a bigger picture out there that I will never understand and will never probably have the vocabulary or the words to even justify it. And I don't think anybody will. And I think living in that middle between the two allows me to not take myself so seriously, but it also allows me to stay motivated with the things that I do. So being human is falling in that sweet spot in the middle. Love it. Brian, thank you for being on the show today. I I mean this really and truly. That was... In, in, incredibly inspirational for me and, and I would imagine for so many people listening um, so thank you you're uh, just a, a fantastic guy and, and deserve all the success you, you, you've gone in life and will continue to have and for people listening you know, maybe if you want to just tell them where they, where they can find you on, on social media and, and, and your books as well pleasure was all mine Kev I've loved this conversation again long overdue catch up and again uh, such an enjoyable interview like these some great questions so mate no wonder this podcast is going to blow up so uh, I'll, I'll be staying tuned I'm subscribed myself so I'll be uh, I'll be getting all the episodes as they co- as they come up as well um, and for anyone that wants to check out my stuff just you know Brian Keen Fitness on Instagram the Brian Keen Podcast um, and I'm on all the pla- channels YouTube TikTok etc under Brian Keen Fitness so anyone that wants to check me out on those just pop me into Google and I'll come up Awesome. Well, thanks, Brian. And for everyone listening, please remember to subscribe, uh, share with somebody who'll get something from this uh, and leave us some feedback if if you have the time. So really appreciate everybody tuning in. Cheers. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed learning more about how to develop a growth mindset and understanding how the low points in life are typically the catalyst for change, please make sure to check out our Instagram page, b.humanpodcast. And we're also on LinkedIn, b.humanpodcast. Super easy. And if you know someone who will be inspired by this message, please make sure to share it with them. And a quick reminder to subscribe to the B.Human podcast on Apple, Spotify, whatever your preference, and make sure to tune in again next week.